Good morning and welcome to New Life. Happy Thanksgiving weekend. It was a great time with, with friends and family, and uh, this is probably my, my favorite time of the year when we get to these, you know, this time, and we have much to give thankful for. We have a great church, we have great family here, and a great congregation. Can we give everybody a hand for that? This morning, I do want to give honor to my pastor and to the entire ministry team for this opportunity. Uh, we have a great pastor, and we have a great team that support this church. I want to give thanks and honor to my wife and to my kids for helping me this week as I've spent time to prepare. And I want to thank this church for praying for me. Let's go before into the scripture, uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to start at 1 and go to verse 7. So 2 Kings chapter 4, um, verse 1 through 7. Where the Lord says, Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, empty vessels, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon my, uh, thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full." And so she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay the debt. And live thou and thy children of the rest. If you put your Bibles down, let's go before the Lord in prayer this morning. Jesus, we thank you for this Thanksgiving weekend. We thank you for this day. God, I pray that your anointing would be upon this service, upon this entire day. God, I pray that you would anoint me, God, to speak your already anointed word, God. I release faith in this house. God, help me to help this church and be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I do have a word for this church this morning. You can be seated. Yesterday, Saturday morning prayer, which is going great and is growing every week, um, it was confirmed that I had heard from the Lord. And so I pray that whoever this is for this morning would hear what God has to say. So it's amazing how God can take us in a journey in our life. As Ohioans, we can fully grasp the concept of seasons. We may take it for granted sometimes that here in this region, we get to experience all four seasons. I have been to football games where the sun has been out, it started to rain, that turned to sleet, and then it began to snow. And I'm sure the sun came out later. So it's a cycle here in Ohio, at least in this region. We experience all seasons. But in our lives, we have seasons 
of highs, when it feels like there isn't anything that can go wrong. That time everyone loves us, the blessings of the Lord are upon our lives, and blessings come when we least expect them in that season. It seems like we walk in the favor of the Lord when we're on our high seasons. And just as we have seasons of highs, we can have seasons of lows where it feels like the sky is falling all around us. Your kids probably don't even like you during that season. (laughs) But those lows make us feel like it can't get any worse during that time. There's nothing like feeling helpless during a situation. Anybody ever been there? Where you feel helpless. There's nothing that you can do. It's one thing to be in the midst of a trial and feel like that you have a resource or the ability to help yourself out of it. But it's a whole different ball game to be full of questions and confusion and fear while you're in the middle of what seems to be like the greatest fight of your life. But when we get in situations like this, it's, it's easy to ask questions like, is, is God there? Will God make a way? Does God even care? Can God hear my prayers? When is it my turn for a miracle? Have we asked those questions? I know I have. But it's just another season that we're in when we start asking those questions. My Uncle Gary used to say it like this. Hard days aren't bad days. They're just hard. It's just another season. Life has a way of making us feel all of the highs and all of those lows. We feel every season. And it was in our Thursday night Bible study that we have weekly a couple months ago that we began to discuss the stresses of life that, that we do feel, those highs and those lows, and that it seems like right now our family and our friends are in this endless cycle of sickness. It's went through this church, it's went through our family, it's went through our friends, and it won't stop. Just as one of our kids gets better, another one brings something else into our home. Some of us have school, and the pressure of looming exams, and the thoughts of projects that hang over our head are enough to drive us crazy. Others have deadlines they have to meet at work, or maybe high goals that seem like they keep getting raised. And this conversation went on and on, and the discussion led to how life can sometimes get in the way of how much time that we have to give to God. There are times where we can make an hour for God of time of devotion, and there are other times where it feels like it's a struggle to find 10 minutes of time for prayer and for reading your Bible. Is that true? That's true. But let me help someone. Don't feel discouraged when you're in a busy season of your life and it feels like that you have just a little bit of time to give to God to carve out. If you only have 10 minutes of time, I believe that God will honor that time if you give it to him as if it was an hour. If we'll give our time to God, he will honor it. But I can tell you there are seasons where I can go into a time of prayer and I can tap into the presence of God in a matter of minutes. But there are other seasons of my life where I feel like every prayer is a struggle. I feel like I can reread in the Bible 
and I'm lost in the words. But sometimes I can open the Bible and I'll, I'll find a verse that speaks to me that day. Or the verse of the day will pop up and I'm like, how can that be that that app knows what I'm going through and that just speaks to my life? It's seasons. You know, sometimes I can pray the tabernacle prayer. I can pray the armor of God prayer. I can pray for others. And I'm left looking at like, what's going on right now? Am I doing something wrong? And I'm not. But I'm just not connecting. It's seasons. Our scripture this morning tells us the story of a widow who has run out of options. Her husband had just died and the creditors were coming to collect what was due to them. She was facing the real possibility that if she wasn't able to repay the creditors, that they were going to come and take her two sons into slavery as a means of paying her debt. At this point in the story, this woman is out of money. She's out of hope and out of faith. She is probably scared, unsure of what to do next, and wondering why this is happening to her. This is the point of the story that the prophet Elijah comes in. He could see that the young widow was desperate. She threw herself at the prophet's feet and cried out, The creditor is coming to take my two sons as his slaves. And as a father, I could picture this situation and all the emotions that could have been going through this mother's head as the creditor was coming to take her kids. And I could imagine feeling that feeling that if somebody was coming to take my kids for a bill that was due, I might get desperate too. And that's what this woman did. Because in the Bible times, a lender had the right to repossess property and even take children as payment if a family could not pay the bills. But the prophet Elisha came by, when he came by, he asked, what do you have in the house? And the woman said, I have nothing in this house but a pot of oil. So picture this scene with me. Little by little, she had handed over all of her furniture and valuables that were in her home to the, cool, to the cruel creditor until nothing remained but her two boys and this one little pot of oil. I tried to put myself in these scenes in the Bible because it helps me to understand that. So I picture that if a creditor would come to my house and I would give them my couch and then I would give them my bed and I would give them the bowls that I eat out of and the silverware and everything in my house except for just my kids and me and I have one little pot of oil. There's nothing left. I have nothing. So I, I think that's why the woman said I have nothing in my house. I, I have just this pot of oil. So olive oil was considered the most basic essential. It was used for lighting, heating, cooking, and healing. It was the only thing she had left in her house. Elisha told the widow and her boys to go and borrow as many empty vessels as possible from their neighbors. They should bring them home, shut the door, and then pour out the oil from her pot into empty containers. They did as Elisha instructed, and a wonderful miracle occurred. The oil in the pot continued to flow out until all the vessels in the house were filled. The woman in this story, she may have felt like all hope was gone. She was going through a mess. When the prophet came by and she asked what she had, she said that she had nothing at all to give. But there was one pot of oil. 
She said there was nothing, but that one pot was enough for God to work a miracle in her life that day. See, the Bible teaches us many principles. The Bible has themes. If you read it in its entirety, you'll learn that if you work, that you get money to eat. What we sow, we will reap. There are consequences for sin. God rewards faith and obedience. And God will always make up the difference. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, is that God can take what looks like nothing and can turn it into enough. God will turn it into more than enough. Amen. So when we feel like we have run out of options, God can take the only thing that we have to give that may look insignificant to us, and he will make up the difference and make it to be enough. See, the concept of God providing more than enough is shown throughout the Bible, but it's highlighted in the very familiar Bible story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. See, this story is the only miracle that Jesus performed that is recorded in all four Gospels. Therefore, we can conclude that this is a very important occurrence. The miracle happened during the Passover season, about one year before Christ's death. And at this point in history, wherever Jesus went, large crowds followed him and gathered. Jesus that day turned five loaves and two fish into enough to feed 5,000 men. That number doesn't include women and children. And many believe the actual number was closer to 10 or 15,000 than just 5,000. And after everyone had enough to eat, the disciples gathered what remained and filled 12 baskets full. See, there was more left after the miracle than when they had began. And I, I think it's important to notice that Jesus accomplishes this miracle of enough through his disciples' hands and through the willingness of a little boy to help. The disciples were the ones that passed out the bread and that passed out the fish and who collected the leftovers. Jesus could have done it all by himself. He could have done the miracle all by himself. He could have just said, let it be so, and everybody would have been fed. But he chose to include the disciples and that little boy. And likewise, God chooses every one of us to spread the gospel through all the world and puts it into our hands to do. This is a deep responsibility that we have to share the gospel to this community and to this world. And we all have something that God can use to reach somebody. Amen? Amen. God doesn't need you to be complete to use you. God doesn't need you to have it all figured out to use you. God isn't looking for perfect people to use at all. In fact, God used many different kinds of people from all walks of life all throughout the Bible. The New Testament book of Hebrews includes a collection of great heroes of faith, men and women who God used and blessed. I find it interesting that in the great faith chapter, God didn't look for perfect examples these were people that had messed up. They weren't perfect examples at all. But the funny thing is, that in chapter 11 of Hebrews, it mentions only their victories and not their mistakes. 
This is because God sees us as what we will become and not necessarily where we are right now. See, these heroes, they, they messed up, but God still saw what they were to become. In fact, a lot of people that we read about in the Bible that many of us would call our heroes, they messed up at some point. Abraham, the father, was the father of faith to the Jewish people. He lied about his wife twice. Sarah, Abraham's wife, laughed at the promise of God and then denied that she laughed. Jacob lied and connived. Noah got drunk. Samson was immoral. Gideon was fearful. Rahab was a prostitute. David had an affair with Bathsheba and then had Uriah murdered to cover it up. Elijah was deeply depressed and didn't even want to live. Jonah ran from God. The disciples fell asleep when they should have been praying. And Simon Peter openly denied the Lord. And then there was Moses who killed a guy. However, that's not how any of their stories end. Abraham became the father of many nations. Sarah had a miracle child named Isaac. Jacob was blessed by God and got a new identity. Noah saved all mankind and land animals from the flood. Samson killed more Philistines in his last moment in the pillars than he ever did at full strength. Gideon linked up with 300 fearless soldiers to, deceit, to defeat the, the Midianites. Rahab was grafted into the lineage of Jesus Christ because of one act of faith. David was known as a man after God's own heart. Elijah was called up in heaven in a whirlwind. Jonah went back to Nineveh and started a great revival. The disciples helped take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And Moses led the Israelites out of slavery into Egypt. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that you have anything that has happened in your life that would stop you from using your talents to reach this community and help in this church that is alive from the pits of hell. If all you can do is wave and smile, then you are a great candidate to help with the greeting team. If you are shy and an introvert, then I challenge you this morning to become the greatest prayer warrior, prayer warrior and intercessor that this church has ever seen, that has ever walked on the face of this earth. You can pray. Amen. See, this world, it seems like it does everything it can to tear you down. Social media and TV forces ourselves to, to compare ourselves to filtered images. It's like smoke and mirrors. None of it's real. It forces us to compare our lives to stories that were written in a room full of Hollywood writers that are trying to pull at our emotions and earn a whole lot of money for those Hollywood producers. See, you are enough for Jesus to love. And you are enough for Jesus to use. You don't need to be filtered by anything but the blood of Jesus. See, when you're filtered by the blood of Jesus, God doesn't see your sin. God sees you as what can be used. God sees you as a broken vessel. See, this world wants to tell you that you're not good enough. But that's exactly what they did to Jesus. They talked about him. They mocked him, doubted him, and eventually killed him. You're, so you're not alone this morning and feeling like everyone around you may be looking down on you. You're actually in good company. See, 11 of the 12 apostles were martyred. The, on, 
Only the apostle John was able to make it through without being killed for the cause. But they shipped him off to a small, rocky, and barren island meant for criminals called Patmos. Even that was still not enough to keep John from being used by God. Because it was on that outcast island that the Lord gave John a vision of what will come in the end times. John was exiled to an island in a prison. And that still couldn't keep God from using him because there was still something there on that island that was willing to let God use him. See, once again, we see that the enemy, he meant something for evil, but God turned that outcast island to be something that was good. And I believe that God wants to speak to somebody here this morning that feels like you may be alone. Like you can't see anybody around you. You may feel like you've been isolated, shipped off to an exile island emotionally. But hear me when I say that it's not over. God can still find you there. God can still use you. Even if you feel like you may be on an island alone, God can still find you there if you become available for him to use. God is asking us this morning the same question that the prophet Elisha asked when he passed by that house. And he's asking, what is in your house? What do you have left for God to use? See, I find a parallel in the story of Moses when we're asking what God can use. The historian Josephus believed that Moses was being groomed to become the next pharaoh. As the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter, he wore royal robes and ate the finest food in the world. He had everything. He was the prince of Egypt. But underneath those royal robes beat the heart of a true believer and a real Hebrew. Moses was a reluctant leader. He didn't want the job, but he got it. And when he was called to do something, he did it. As a result, he discovered that God was more than enough for him. He knew the Lord was bigger than the problems that he faced. See, the Bible tells us that Moses chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the temporary pleasures of sin. Moses understood that God's worst was better than the world's best. You too may have to take on what the world may throw at you, for being an apostolic Pentecostal and living a separated and holy life. But you'll also get God's best purpose, meaning in life, the joy and the blessings of the Lord, and hope that one day when those trumpets sound, that we'll all get to hear the Savior say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. But with the world's worst, it can be bad to deal with at times. You'll have to deal with those short-lived, you'll get the short-lived pleasures, of course. You'll have fun for a season, but afterward, those pleasures, they do have consequences. It was one of the principles that we talked about in the Bible, that sin has consequences. You may have to face the repercussions of your actions, your sins and your behavior. And the Bible says that ultimately there is a final judgment one day that we'll all have to stand before God. But Moses knew his people were suffering and that he just couldn't live like that. Therefore, he decided to take action. 
Moses had the right idea, but he went about it the wrong way, and his timing was way off. How many know it's possible to do the, wrong th the right thing the wrong way? You might have the right intentions, but you can just have the wrong timing. Yet despite his flaws, despite his shortcomings, the Bible calls him Moses, the man of God. Yes, Moses failed, but he failed forward. That simply means that he learned from his mistakes and that we need to do the same. Some people just keep doing the same things over and over again and again. They may, they may make the same mistakes, fall into the same cycle of sin, struggle with the same addictions over and over, and it goes on and on and on. Sometimes decades, years become decades, and in many ways their lives become defined by those mistakes that they make. Doing the same thing again and again while you're expecting different results is the definition of insanity. On the other hand, if you make a mistake or do something wrong, but own it and learn from it, that is a well-learned lesson. And that is what I call failing forward. Now, we all fail in life. It's part of life. We all have lapses in judgment. We all get tempted. We all face trials. We're not alone in the struggles of life. And maybe you said, God could never use me. He could never work through me. Or maybe it's been a long time since you've let the Lord use you. And you say, God could never use me again. The truth is that God loves broken people. God loves using those that fall short. God can always make up the difference. Because the Bible shows us time and time again of how God chose people who many would say weren't worthy to be used. See, we see our flaws, and we see our shortcomings, but God sees something different. He sees who we will be one day. We see a broken life, but he sees a life put back together to use for his glory. Amen. See, as I finish up, I want to tell a story that I told on Saturday morning prayer a few weeks ago. I haven't been able to share with everybody yet, but it, it was a few months, uh, it was a, about a month ago, Evan came into our room, it's about 1 a.m., which is not unusual, he usually finds our, his way to our bed, but this night he was, he was crying, almost as loud as he could, he was saying, Daddy, my ears hurt really bad. And if anybody in here has ever have any, had an earache, you, can, you know how bad an earache hurts. Earaches and toothaches. It's about as bad as it gets. But he was saying, my ear hurts really bad. And I was only a few weeks removed from having a double ear infection myself, so I felt horrible for him. So I picked him up and carried him back to his bed and told him that I would lay with him. I asked him if he wanted to go have some medicine to try to calm the pain. But I knew Evan would tell me no. See, Evan has never liked medicine since being a little boy. He would spit it back at you if you tried to make him take it. But I knew that when I asked him, but I, I offered it anyways. So at this point, I told Evan, once we got back to his bed, that we were going to pray and go back to sleep. 
So I laid my hand on him and prayed against the ear infection in the name of Jesus and rolled him over to rest. That lasted about 25 to 30 minutes. And he woke up in pain again, kicking and screaming. I offered him medicine again, and he refused it again. So I said, Evan, let's pray again. And I pleaded with God to take the pain away. Again, it lasted about 25 to 30 minutes, and he woke up again. At this point, it was after 2 a.m., and I had to go to work in the morning. So I said, Evan, we're going to pray one more time, and this time I want you to pray for your ears. I said, Evan, pray this prayer. Jesus, take the pain from my ears right now and help me to rest. Evan said that prayer, and I prayed that God would hear the prayers of a little boy laying in bed that was in pain. And as soon as that prayer was finished, Evan shot up and said, Dad, the pain is going away. <laughs> Amen. And he laid back down and slept until 9 a.m. He never had another bit of pain in that year after that. God healed my son by the simple prayer of a little boy. God hears your prayers. God will use what is available. See, the miracle of enough is that what you bring to the table may not be enough. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But anything is possible when we mix what we have with our almighty and all-powerful and all-knowing God. See, logic says that there's not enough oil in the pot to fill the vessels. But faith says, what little I have, I'm not afraid to release it and pour it out. That's enough for God to get involved and for God to work a miracle in your life. See, in our story, the more that the woman poured out, the more that her vessel was filled and the more oil filled her pot. When you mix your faith with what the man of God speaks to you, you step into the will of God. See, there are people here this morning that have had prophetic words spoken over your life and haven't seen them come to pass yet. The promise that you're holding on to may look like the only thing that you have left. Just a promise. But if the man of God spoke something over your life, then you may need to start mixing your faith with the word and let God get in the middle of it and work a miracle in your life today. It may look like you only have one pot of oil left. It may look like there is nothing left and it will never change. But God sees just enough to use for your miracle. Can we all stand? See, I wish somebody in the house this morning would get that old song in their heart that says, Lord, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands and take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, and speak to me. It may look like it's over. It may look like to others that God can't use it. It may look like that we're going to fall short and you don't have enough. But God is looking for willing, available, and broken vessels to use today. It's not over. There's still something left. Even if it's just one pot of oil. Even if it's just a pot. Just a promise. Just a prayer. That's enough for God to use. And God will work the miracle of enough. Can we all lift our hands this morning? Thank you, Jesus.